0: welcome back to my podcast uh it's seriously back now that i have two episodes coming out in in the same week um uh, with me today i have Stephen Noh uh stefan No from the athletic shy and podcast host of the bullcourt press um welcome it's nice to finally talk to you N- not on twitter <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am a fan of the podcast. I love the analytical stuff you do on here, so uh, I'm excited to get into it.
0: So we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls, obviously, and Lauri Markkanen. And I think just to sort of recap the season, the Bulls started 3-20, and then they went 10-2 and and have since been 5-13 and or something like that, and the tank is sort of back. And the funny part for me is that... I watched the start of the season and I sort of missed a good part because I had other work. And now that I'm back, this is like the team that I expected to see. And I'm very surprised what happened in that middle part. Uh, what's the season been like for for you, uh, for, whole, uh, for the whole and And what do you think that 10-2 and two stretch really What was behind that?
1: I mean, as you said, it has been... A huge roller coaster. That three and twenty start, it was miserable. Uh there was not good basketball being played. You know, and like obviously the Bulls are taking this year, it's a rebuilding season. But you wanna see at least like some progress from young players and Larry Markinen was great, but they really weren't getting anything else from anyone in those first twenty three games. Then Nikola Mirotic comes back and actually David Nwaba, who is this unheralded uh shooting guard he came back at the same time as miritich and he was also a large part of this uh, development for the bulls where they went on this hot streak trade miritich uh, a couple games ago and then they're back to being completely terrible they gun blown out in two of their three games and the third one last night against the kings they blew a giant lead i actually didn't watch that game yet so i mika i know you did maybe if we want to get into that you could be the expert on that one but um yeah, it's been a very strange season, uh, full of like the highest highs and the lowest lows, and pretty much nothing in between.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think like the three and twenty is the perfect example of when well, you just don't have a point guard and you have bad players, and there's just if you don't have a good point guard or any sort of point guard play, that's that's what happens. You don't. There's no way to run enough sets competently for forty eight minutes to win. And now that uh, Levine is back and. Well, Dunn isn't playing now, but Dunn was sort of good, and uh, there's there's sort of a little bit more ball handling to me, which means you're not going three and twenty, you're going five and thirteen, and that's sort of the difference to me there.
1: Oh, the point guard play has definitely been the story (laughs) of the season. Uh, So yeah, you mentioned Dunn was good at some points, and then uh, he suffered a concussion against the Warriors, uh, maybe like a week or two ago, and he's been out and. Jerry Grant has been the replacement starter. He's been terrible. Uh, it's actually it's really frustrating to watch from a development standpoint because uh, everybody would really like to see Larry Markkanen getting the ball in the post. He the Bulls run a lot of pick and pops with him where he gets mismatches, and point guards miss the big men constantly. It is so frustrating, and I I tweet out a lot of these videos, and I know a lot of your listeners are from Finland. It's it's always really funny to me when I tweet a video of a of Bulls point guard missing Mark and then, uh there's like 20 finished retweets and, <laughs> and like 30 likes because uh, they are also feeling that frustration alongside with me.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's especially now that you have a Finnish player in the NBA and and they're actually very good, it's like, oh, just get him the ball every time and, and like, re-remember what happened in Eurobasket, just get him the ball every time and, and then... In those situations, like, I sort of think that Heuberg's sets actually are, like, Hoiberg obvi- gets a lot of crap as a coach, but I think his sets sort of make sense, and the offense sort of makes sense uh, in a way. It's just that so when you don't have a good point guard, it's just it's so, the fluidity of what happens and, like, the decisions, they take, like, a step longer, and, and you miss something, and you, like, sort of like a when you pop to the weak side or whatever and you miss those things and there's it's i feel like marketing could be like marketing will get to 18 once he gets just like a point guard next to him
1: oh definitely and hoiberg has done a very good job i feel like this year designing plays for marketing they have uh this one pet play that they probably run like 10 times a game where it's out of horns uh he gets a pick from the other big man and pops out for a three he's done a lot of three pointers that way and Pretty much every game, Hoiberg has instituted <coughs> some new wrinkle to get Markinen the ball. Uh, it's just, it's yeah, it's on the other players. They're, the Bulls don't have very good shot creation, they don't have guys that can draw double teams uh, reliably, and then you top that with them not being able to pass when they do get the rare advantage on offense. And um, I, I agree with you that once Markinen gets a legitimate point guard or You know, once Chris Dunn comes back and he improves his vision a little bit, we are going to see another uh, dramatic step up for him.
0: Going back to the draft, uh, what uh, what was Markman the player you wanted at that position, or I guess the other obvious one is Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, What were your thoughts right when they drafted him, and and uh,
1: yeah? So I did a lot of pre-draft stuff, but it was in the middle of the draft. The Bulls had, I think it was the 16th pick at first, and uh, they had Jimmy Butler on the roster. <laughs> I did not expect them to trade Butler for a pick swap, certainly. I mean, I think that was pretty bad value on their part. So I didn't really scout Markinen a ton uh, coming into the draft, and I read you know, all the pre-draft stuff, and uh, it turned out to be not very accurate, but that kind of colored my uh, opinion at first, where you know they said that he couldn't really move his feet that well, he wasn't that good of a rebounder, it's going to be like a Channing Fry type. Uh, all of that is like totally not true. And as soon as I started watching Eurobasket, I watched all his games there. It was immediately evident that this guy is like so much better of an athlete that people are giving him credit for.
0: Yeah, I wonder what it is because, well, I, we know what it is. It's sort of like the white seven footer and the soft label and all that. But like he does move sideways quite well. That's not the problem. And and and. I think that's also it was sort of obvious from day one in the NBA that like he like his sort of mobility is is pretty close to being okay like or like okay in a very good sense uh, that you, you could switch a bit and and stuff like that I yeah.
1: Yeah, I think part of it was that his college coach. who went to University of Arizona. Sean Miller was his coach there. I, I don't think Sean Miller was like a very good coach for him. The system wasn't good for him, and he didn't get to showcase what he could do. So uh, I understand like why those draft guys didn't quite <coughs> get it right with him. But um, <laughs> I'm happy that he fell to the Bulls at seven. That's for sure. Uh,
0: it's funny because in sort of my mind, when I actually watched him a lot of a lot in high school, and at that time. Uh, he well, he was like a lot better than all the other players, of course, but he wasn't that much better. And I think when coming in coming into the like uh, first college season, I think he was projected as like a late first rounder. And I sort of understood that and was actually like sort of very worried about him. Like one of the things like people don't know is that when he was in high school, his mid ranger was like the really fluid shot. But the three-pointer was sort of still, like, getting there. And the range wasn't like an NBA range, really. It was the European range. And you could see him sort of the rotation on the ball and stuff like that start to break down when he got further. And then it's funny because when the Eurobasket started, and that was the next time I really saw him a lot, and it was like, okay, now he's the same player compared to the Eurobasket players as he was compared to the high school players. So it's like an, an enormous leap during his first college season. And even from there like I think during the season he's also grown quite a bit
1: yeah he has grown a lot um, yeah I mean just like the weaknesses that I talked about before supposed weaknesses like his rebounding his rebounding wasn't amazing in the beginning of the year but he's had some crazy rebounding games I think he had like 17 or 18 defensive rebounds the other day his passing he's gotten really <laughs> good at throwing outlet passes I mean Every single game that I watch him play, I pick out one new skill where I'm like, this is really impressive. So
0: it's so much fun to watch him this year. The the passing is just something I think that's, it's not like he's like a like a real high post passer kind of guy. But I think that's where he shows that he really gets the game at a high level and like understands what to do and what his mistakes are for example like on defense there are lots of mistakes but I feel like he sort of gets what he's doing wrong and he's like an intelligent player and like a pretty tough guy as well um what are some like what's he at overall what do you think he's better at than you originally thought or so or something
1: well I mentioned the rebounding um his, his lateral movement on defense is so much better than I expected. Uh, the Bulls run some pretty aggressive defensive schemes with him where uh, you know they'll have him show or hard hedge, blitz occasionally, and he will get switched on to guards. And I really haven't seen him get blown by that often when he's been on guard. He's pretty good at staying in front of guys. You mentioned that like sometimes he can be out of position. I think like his health defense... Could use a little bit of work as far as like trapping the box, uh, coming over from the weak side, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like his oddball defense has been way, way better, especially uh, as I said, like moving his feet uh, against master guards on the perimeter.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, the like the weak side help and stuff like that's where he I think he screws up a lot. But that's sort of okay. He screws up in a way where you think that uh, that it's going to get better. It's not like he doesn't understand anything that's going on. And then uh, something that I I think I've you, for example, mentioned the post passing when he gets a switch and the ball never makes it there. And part of that is obviously the passer. But I think that's something where like he when he's trying to get position in the post that he sort of doesn't really know how to get it. And it's not only, I think, physical, but which is one part of it. But I think he's just not sort of there. Hasn't really found a way to be comfortable in how to get position on the post. And I don't know if it's technique thing, but it's always something that something I I've, I like to look at closely because it looks sort of weird when he's trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think he doesn't have the greatest seals <laughs> when he is trying to create a lane, a uh, passing lane. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get there. It's fine. And he's a lot stronger than people give him credit for, but he can still definitely add some muscle to his frame. Uh, the Bulls have been using, actually, uh, they, they run a lot of high-low action because the point guards can't throw the ball into him, so they'll they'll pass it to, like, the top of the key and have Robin Lopez lob passes up to him. And that's an area where I'm really impressed because they just throw it up there, and he goes up and grabs it. We, we saw that in Eurobass <coughs> a ton where they're throwing him a lot of lobs, which is just so fun to watch. So he's got some stuff that uh, he's good at and some stuff that he can improve.
0: Um, yeah, that's one of the plays I've noticed recently, especially, that uh, low, I guess like, Lopez knows how to do the, like, the high-low pass, and that, that makes sense. And it also maybe helps like, get position, because it's sort of a different, like you're not just off a switch trying to get that position, but there's actually like, something happening in the set where, that puts you in a better place than to get like, the high-low, because you may be like, facing the basket instead of facing out to the perimeter, for example, there.
1: Yeah, you know Lopez is a taller guy. He has better angle. Oftentimes, I mean, the guards when they're on when this they're, the, they're in the slot or on the wing, they don't they don't even look for Markin. They just look for Lopez in the middle of the floor and throw it right there.
0: Yeah, um, when you're trying to build a team around mark and and uh, I guess the other big player in this case is Levine, I sort of wonder what sort of team needs to be around them because like eventually. Uh, likely with Levine, but at least with Markkanen, you're, you're going for like a 50-win team. And then perhaps if you get lucky, you get to be better than that. Um, what sort of, what do you sort of imagine? I think especially Levine is the bigger question mark because he's sort of a, maybe a weirder specialty player. Like people thought Markkanen, oh, he can't play in certain spots or whatever, but that's been proven sort of false. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about like the team building around their young, young guys?
1: I'm not a huge uh, fan of Levine or Dunn, to tell you the truth. I mean, I think Dunn, he, he's gotten so much better this year, and um, I think that it's reasonable to think that he can become like an average starting point guard. As far as Levine, uh, you know, I know your listeners and you are uh, pretty into advanced stats, and obviously, like, he ranks terribly in all of those. His on-off numbers have never been good RPM. I think he's been, like, bottom five in defensive RPM all three years of his career. Uh, as far as this year, he's been a little bit better as of late. He had 27 <laughs> points in this Kings game, and as I said, I haven't watched that one yet. But his shot selection is really bad. I mean, he takes like a ton of long two pull-ups, ton of contested shots. Uh, he has a lot of skill as far as driving, but this is, this is the same thing that we've seen with the Timberwolves. Like, he can do it, but he just doesn't do it enough, and whether... He figures that out and starts driving more on the Bulls. I mean, who is to say?
0: <laughs> yeah, Levine is shooting like the Chicago Bulls. I've never seen a team like this where every perimeter player that gets minutes is under forty percent on two pointers. It's, it's a it's very strange or under forty percent from the field. Like Holiday is like thirty seven percent or whatever, and and Dunn isn't isn't the greatest scorer either. It's sort of strange, but yeah, uh, Levine. He, he's a strange player to me because, like, that's a. He's a 20-point scorer a game when he's... Especially he will be when he's a bit more back, likely. But he's such a... He's such a... It screams, like, bad team, lots of points. And it's sort of... I don't really like to put, like, young players in a box, but I just feel like there's a lot you need to ask from, like, the other position. In a sense, Dunn actually, I think, works well with Levine. Uh, If, like, Dunn is the better defender and he can... Uh, like take the tougher matchup or whatever but I don't it's just uh, Levine isn't really as a player like you need a lot of defense around him and if he is off ball for you well he can be like your secondary point uh, ball handler but I don't know He's he's okay but I don't really I don't really see what kind of player he is even in the best case scenario if you know what I mean
1: yeah, yeah, his passing's actually been a lot better this year than I expected, so that is a pro. He's also been rebounding pretty well as, you know, he's trying to contribute in other areas when his shot's not really falling, but he's a restricted free agent, so theoretically he would get properly paid this summer, although with uh, teams really short on money, uh, maybe, maybe the Bulls can get a little bit of a discount and teams don't want to throw an offer sheet at him. But um, I think that he's fine as, like, you know a third piece maybe on a team uh, I, I definitely don't think he's gonna be like the 1A guy for the Bulls
0: um, I guess um, one of the interesting th- things with Lamine is uh, yeah he's gonna get paid probably and as a restricted free agent it's sometimes with one of those young guys it's like uh, you have to sort of pay them a lot as a sign that they're a part of the team and if you start like negotiating that down even though he wouldn't really get that much on the f- on the market, uh, because I don't think like teams value him that highly, it's still sort of weird to negotiate down a lot. I don't know if that's a real thing, but but I guess players can get unhappy with that.
1: Yeah, it's like a contract negotiation will be very interesting. I mean, on the one hand, the Bulls are cheap as hell. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> on the salary floor, they sold uh, their pick for three point five million. For Jordan Bell, they have made all these like very crafty trades. They made one with the Pelicans to get another $2.5 million for taking on Quincy Pondexter. I mean, they find every way to cut corners and, and save salary. But on the other hand, like they are weirdly attached to the guys that they developed. They overpaid for Cristiano Felicio this summer, four years, $32 million. So they could go either way, but I'm really not sure.
0: Well, Cameron, Cameron Payne was supposed to be the future point guard until they got Chris Dunn and were willing to throw Cameron Payne under the bus immediately afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, they extended his option too, which I didn't understand at all. They're going to pay him like three point five million or something next year, where I don't even think he could get like a minimum salary if they had just you know let him let him go.
0: I remember watching uh, Payne on the Thunder, and and he he's really good at like off ball screens like getting off them and i I thought at that time at that time it looked like he would be like a good high-end pack up um so it's I, i guess it's at this point it looks like he's never going to become a player but i'm not like completely there because i i remember watching him on a thunder and sort of thinking that oh there's something interesting here and and uh, i don't know what do you think of him as a player
1: I'm a little bit uh, on an island, too. Uh, everybody in Chicago has given up on him. Uh, he had a terrible summer league. He was really bad last season, too. Couldn't even bring the ball up. But I think that part of that is his injury problems. I mean, he had surgery on his foot for the third time. He's already a guy that does not really have NBA size or athleticism. So he needs to use like every single ounce of physical potential that he has. And then when he has this foot injury that is slowing him down, uh, it's understandable that he was terrible. So I don't know. I mean, he hasn't shown anything to give you hope that he could be an NBA player as far as his time with the Bulls. But uh, like you, I'm also not completely ready to give up on him.
0: What do you think of Jerian Grant as a player? Because like my th- sort of what I think when I think Jerian Grant is a point guard who could be on the floor for 30 minutes and I would not notice it. Because he doesn't really like create advantages off the pick and roll or anything, but he he's not so bad either that the defense will just it will look like they're playing around him either, uh, or maybe they just don't prep. But I don't know. I, I he's a player that nothing really comes to mind for me typically when I watch the Bulls.
1: I think you would notice him if you watched him for like 20 plus games because of how infuriating it is. Uh, He can't run an offense at all. He's so passive. Uh, He, Hoibert, praises his assist to turnover ratio constantly, which is such a misleading statistic because he never takes risks with his passes. Uh, The Bulls' offense is just getting shots in the last eight seconds of the shot clock constantly. I tweet out, videos of him, uh, frequently where like he has 17 dribble possessions. He just stands still or dribbles in a circle. Um, so I, <coughs> I'm not high on Grant. He, his defense isn't good either. Um, he can theoretically shoot a little bit. Uh, he shot the ball well from three last year, struggled this year, but he is, uh, doing a little bit better as of late. But I think that his, uh, his ceiling is like a, a backup. And for sure, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter in the league
0: you had a couple of really beautiful sentences in there, one of them was theoretically can sort of shoot or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and then the uh, first one was I, I can't believe uh, I've missed this, but a, but has Hoiberg said that, like if you're a player and your coach is saying, oh he's so great because he has a great assist to turnover ratio, that's a like, that's a very something thing I, that, that just sounds very odd to me <laughs> for a coach to say that I, I'm Playing, I'm being a positive player in that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Hoiberg knows that Grant isn't very good either. The Bulls <laughs> have been trying to shop him for the last couple weeks, but Hoiberg's, um, Hoiberg's goal this season is to boost up his players. He's, he's trying to come up with positive things to say to push them in the right direction, but as far as Grant, I think it might be a little bit hopeless.
0: Who do you like more uh, as a player, Holiday or Valentine? I like Holiday. I
1: think that, pretty good 3 and D wing he doesn't look great on the bulls because he is clearly being overextended they just have no shot creation so a lot of times when I said where Grant is (laughs) drilling out the shot clock he'll either throw it to Robin Lopez or Holiday and they have to force up a pretty bad shot uh Valentine I've gotten higher on Uh, he's been much better as the season has progressed uh he still like does not have very good athleticism so when he gets into the lane which is pretty rare uh, he has to rely on these really strange floaters that happen to have been going in. I don't know if that's for real or not. And then Valentine's pull up three game is actually among like the best in the league. He's top ten in pull up three point percentage. Last time I checked, it, it was like forty two percent or something, which is uh, obviously like a great number. But he he's a bit of a defensive liability, and he just doesn't have like that much potential because of uh, his physical characteristics.
0: I I've seen Valentine bank a couple. Uh of those floaters and I think those looked like accidents at least to me but but I think he sort of still got into the middle and knew that he can get it like middle he he can't control the the the, how short or how long it goes but if he can put it like middle and that I thought that was a maybe I don't know if that's his strategy but it certainly looked like that um yeah holiday is one of maybe it's just because the whole marketing thing but and holiday being on the ball but but for me, it's just sort of been tough to watch him, especially like like finish when he gets a bit closer to the basket. I've never seen a really Holiday finish well, or um, more like or like sh- sort of like those weird th- sort of pull-ups that are short, uh, are pretty close to the basket, and some of those have missed pretty badly. I can remember those. Uh, both of both of the players, like Valentine, I think recently. Has played a lot better, and I've I sort of like Valentine maybe a bit more actually than Holiday. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure though. I could be wrong there, but but um, one of the maybe the most interesting uh, young player apart from uh, or uh, that no one that some sometimes people talk about. But it's uh, is Bobby Portis good? I guess is my question. <laughs>
1: Is Bobby Portis good? Is he a good scorer? Yes. Does he have a good jump shot? Yes. Is he a good basketball player? Not really sure. His defense uh, needs a ton of work. Uh, he played in the system in college at Arkansas, where uh, they did not teach very good fundamentals. But he is capable of developing his game. I mean, he wasn't a three-point shooter at all in college, and that has become like the strength in the NBA. So. He's a hard worker, um, not, like, to be perfectly honest, like, not the highest IQ guy, uh, and also another guy where he doesn't have that great athlet- athleticism, so that is always going to hinder him. Um, but I could see him being, like, a really solid first big off the bench and maybe, like, a most space role when he was on the Warriors where he's just, like, putting up big offense from the big position
0: yeah he's like the like if you look at his per thirty six numbers, they've always looked really good and and he's sort of the player, but he's also the player who can get twenty and ten without it impacting the game at all <laughs> positively and then but then the also the counter to that is that he played a lot with Meritage during the time that during the during the c- good times uh but uh, and I guess like that's why his plus minus is now like about the best on the team or so but 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 I've never really, like I remember I, I don't know if you remember a couple of years back there was like two weeks when everyone noticed oh, oh like, uh, Bobby Portis is putting up twenty and ten every game and then he just disappeared and now he's sort of back to doing that but, I don't know uh, do you see him as like a, uh, like a future starter. Um,
1: maybe on the (laughs) Bulls, I don't know about like a contender. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought up his per 36 numbers. I mean, like as soon as this guy got in the league, he could score and he could offensive rebound. Great motor, uh, runs really hard in transition. But he hasn't gotten any better on defense. So just don't know how much you can play him on a good team.
0: Yeah. um, Another big man who got paid during the summer, summer, Cristiano Felicio. I think he was player that everyone... All the, like the, the basketball Twitter, the, like a small portion of it, sort of liked Felicio and, and thought... I actually thought he would be sort of the type of player who would be underpaid on his next contract and could be actually good for someone. And then he got a big contract and I had no idea that the Bulls actually thought of him that way. <laughs> and even I didn't think of him that like as an $8 million a year player. Um, and now he hasn't played that much for the team. Where do you see him uh, right now and going forward?
1: He's had a very bad year. Uh, Part of that is definitely on him, but part of it, again, is on this weak guard play. So the player comp that I like to make for him is like a poor man's version of Clint Capella. Capella, uh, a lot of his baskets are assisted. Felicio, he's not a back-to-the-basket isolation player. He really can't create anything in isolation, so... Last year, when he played well to garner that big contract, he had great chemistry with uh, Rondo and Wade, who are both very good passers, and they would find him for lob dunks very frequently. So he's showing this high level of athleticism where he could just go up and get it. Uh, I, I think he's maybe had like three or four of those lobs this year, and I had a stat the other day. Uh, the Bulls point guards of Grant and Dunn had only assisted him eight times on the entire year, so that shows you like how much he is struggling out there. When he he's played a lot of games in the G League this year, uh, probably actually more games in the G League than on the NBA team, and he's been great in those games. So he has talent, but um, I think he's going to continue to look bad until the Bulls find some stronger point guard play.
0: Uh, that was a good point, actually. Yeah, that he because he's not sort of like a stiff either. I think he, like if he gets into a space and can roll and. And then gets finishes that are, they don't even have to be like lobs, but sort of reasonable finishes where you can sort of, like the defender is maybe half there and you can finish. I don't think he has like horrible hands at least. I don't know. Uh, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 59% from the field, so he's, he's a good finisher. <laughs> uh, also, like he was one of the best offensive rebounders in the league last year by percentage. And that has gone down a little bit. That has really been the most concerning thing for me is his rebounding has uh, decreased a little bit, and I'm not really sure why that is. Um, But I still think that uh, while he probably won't be worth that $8 million a year that the Bulls are paying him, uh, I I think that there's a little hope that he can get a little bit better than what he's showing right now.
0: Um, Going to the Meritage trade, if we focus on that a bit, uh, the trade was for... Jameer Nelson, Tony Allen, um, Ashik, a first rounder, and then they gave back Miritic and a second rounder, and then there's a pick swap in like 2021 or so, right?
1: Yeah, it's a second round pick swap and the Bulls have the option on that in 2021.
0: Yeah, but they also gave out one uh, second rounder in that trade, right?
1: Yeah, they had gotten the Pelicans second rounder or taking on Quincy Pondexter's salary, and then they traded the second runner back to the Pelicans in this deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, so what did you think of that trade? Was that uh, enough for Meritage? Were there any other packages that you thought could have been more interesting or workable? Um, what did you think of the trade overall for both sides?
1: Okay, so from the bull side, I gave this a, a C grade, and I got pretty ripped for it in Chicago. Uh, I don't think they had any better options on the table, so there are two options were basically keeping Miritich or uh, trading him for this package. I think they got about fair value back. So that is uh, why I gave that a C. I mean, Ashik's contract is pretty bad. It's making I think it's around like 11 million this year, 11 million next year and then uh, they can waive him for a $3 million partial guarantee in year 3. So uh I I think like what the number I've seen thrown around is like for every 15 million dollars a year in dead cap space, you can get like a, a late first-round pick. So the combination of that and you know you're giving Mirtich, who's 26 years old, he is having a crazy good season on a very good contract. He's only making 12.5 million this year, 12.5 million next year. That that's a pretty nice player to have. Same time, you know, the Bulls are trying to tank, and Miritich was screwing that up. And Also, they didn't want to pay him in two years, so uh, I can kind of see it from both sides there and as far as the Pelicans go They they're in a pretty interesting situation. Delt Demps uh, has been on the hot seat Seemingly forever They have the eighth seed in the playoffs uh, basically being given to them if they want it So I can see why they needed to make some moves to improve and their big man depth is so bad I went to that game last night, uh, they had just signed a Mecha Okafer It's 35, he hadn't played in the league since 2012-13, he was playing like, I think he was the first big man on the bench for them, and Dial <laughs> is the other guy, he's not like very good either, so they, they really need some help there, uh, and they got the best player they probably could for that pick in Miritic.
0: And I, I'm actually pretty skeptical they'll make the playoffs, because I don't think, Cl- the Clippers have won a couple of games I think recently, but I, I don't think they're, they're the problem, I think the Jazz are the problem. They just beat the Warriors and the Spurs, I think, and and they have a super easy schedule coming up, and they're four losses down, and I feel like they're starting to get it really well. Uh, so that'll be sort of depressing to trade for Miritic and then then be ninth. Although I'm not sure if the... I guess it's better than if you, if you just make the playoffs at the eighth seed, and then you lose embarrassingly four times to the Warriors. That's also another variation that I guess they want more uh, but those are really the only two options there.
1: Yeah, they, uh, the Pelicans played the Jazz last night. I went to that game, and they, Jazz beat them by 30. <laughs> so uh, you might be right there, I don't know. But the Jazz, you know, they're rumored to be sellers too. They're possibly looking to move Rodney Hood. So I, I really think that, like, no team wants that eighth seed except for the Pelicans.
0: <laughs> well, that's uh, oh, yeah But they desperately want it. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. Um, from the Bulls' side, I guess the thing that, like, I think it's fair value for Meritage, the only thing that I was left wondering was the second-round pick, especially with the way the Bulls have, like, they seem to have, like, an LOL, you only live once attitude to second-round picks. Uh, I'm sort of surprised they actually had to give that away. Do you, what, what in the trade mechanic was sort of really there that they needed to give away the pick?
1: Well, they had reportedly agreed to a deal that did not include the second-round pick, and then Miritich, because of the structure of his contract to protect his bird rights, he had a trade veto a trade veto power that he exercised. And the Bulls had this team option for a second year. Uh, if they extended that, they could get around the veto, but the Pelicans did not. Apparently, they claim they did not want the second year. I don't really buy that, because that contract is still a really good contract in the second year. If they didn't want his salary on the books, as they're claiming they could have just traded miratich away for another asset i think that's a positive contract so i think this was really just a negotiating tactic by the pelicans which is why i'm not crazy about the bulls throwing the second rounder in i think that if they just waited until the actual trade deadline then pelicans probably would have caved there but you know the bulls don't care about second round picks they never have um so you know, to them,
0: it's it's no big deal. Yeah, latest, by after the thirty-point loss to the Jazz, they would have traded, <laughs> made the trade. So <laughs> yeah, um, uh, for the rest of the year, uh, what are you hoping to see? What what do you sort of apart from tanking successfully? And actually, the tank ranks are a pretty. Like everyone has sixteen uh, wins or seventeen wins, or I think the Bulls have now eighteen. So there's like a big group, sort of very close to each other, and there's a really opportunity to. Uh, take the lead in that area. I guess that's something you're looking at. But uh, from also that, and then from the player-wise, what do you think? Like the rest of the season looks like? What do you want to see? Uh, that it seems like the team is going in the right direction.
1: Uh, I'm I'm paid to watch these games, and if I was not paid to watch them, there's no way I would do it because <laughs> the quality of basketball has been so so poor. Uh, so yeah, the Bulls sit in sixth position in the draft right now and as you said it's very bunched up I expect them to get a ton worse after this Miritich trade and get pretty comfortably in the top five there if not the top three uh and then you said player development what would I like to see yeah (coughs) Uh, okay so Markinen is clearly the the crown jewel of the Bulls uh so I want to see him get a ton of shots uh the Bulls have run their clutch offense through Chris Dunn at the end of games. I want to see Markkanen get those shots. I want to see if he can become a better post player because that has been his one weakness. I'm looking at his synergy numbers right now, and everything basically is like average, very good, or excellent uh, except for his post-ups. So I, I want to see like how-, how far they can really go with him. And uh, they're not really playing him a lot of minutes because he has been hampered by this back injury that he suffered at Eurobasket hopefully you know he can fully recover from that after the all-star break when he gets some time off he can start playing 35 minutes a game and um, really showcasing his skills
0: that's especially when people make the Dirk comparison with the shooting white guys and uh, seven footers and and really the thing that like Dirk's the shooting was sort of overrated in a way always it's uh, he was such. He, he was such a good post player, one-on-one scorer. Someone who could really draw the defense to him, not only with the shot, but like those, uh, like those fadeaways. And as a one-on-one scorer, he is just a uh, is like one of the one of the top players ever, actually. And and I think, like, I agree with you. You really have to push that with Mark on him because, like, the because that's really where then you get everything, because if you have the shot, and and shot is actually so much faster than Dirk's was, and and I think it's a sort of a cleaner, better shot, and I think he'll even shoot it at a higher percentage that Dirk often has uh, from deep, but if he can really just, like, score every time against a short defender, that's where you really have something very special as a team.
1: Yeah, and I want to see also, like, if he can be... Uh... How, he, how effective he can be in pick-and-roll as the ball handler. Hoiberg has experimented with that, with how bad the guard play has been. He's just let Marken bring the ball up and run some 4-5 action. The Bulls have so many interesting things they could do with that because they have a bunch of uh, stretch players. Uh, they run a lot of like DHOs, which are pretty impossible to guard with one player diving and the other one popping out for three. Uh, so a lot of interesting stuff that the Bulls could do, a lot of very modern stuff that maybe other teams will copy down the line. Uh, they don't really have the talent yet to <laughs> be good in those plays, but it's, a, it's it's an opportunity for Hoiberg to go into the lab and see uh, the most creative ways that he can get the most out of marketing.
0: Those are actually really interesting plays, those four or five picks, uh, maybe coming off the move or maybe just like straight up a pick and roll, sort of what Blake Griffin does and has been doing a lot now, again with Andre Drummond. The f- like the first option is that you just switch there and it's easy. Uh, but there, maybe if you get like the slower big guy, Markkanen can like get past him on the perimeter. Uh, and if you have like the right player uh, rolling as well, uh, who's like good at getting position there, you that can also like work there. But uh, I've actually never been that big a fan of like four or five pick and rolls. But what else do you see that what else you could you use it for than just, like, the maybe the base pick there? Uh,
1: Well, I mean, they also run a lot of flare screens between the four and the five. The thing is, like, these big men that they're screening for, they're not used to coming out on the perimeter like that and those kind of... Like, big men aren't really used to switching off ball like that, so I think it uh, provides a lot of interesting opportunities, and the Bulls have had success with those plays in uh, the limited times that they've used them, so I think it'll at least take a little bit of time for teams to catch up on that if they want to try to run those types of actions
0: okay last question um I guess it's if you had to bet now if Mark and I will make an all-star team uh what I, I don't think the bet is quite 50-50 I'm trying to I think of odds that would make you uh stop for a moment and think actually maybe the question is what are the like the odds where would you put them at <laughs> oh uh, he, I mean
1: he's definitely a favorite to make an all-star team um I'm not, I mean, some people in Chicago are going nuts and they're saying that, like, he has top five potential. I wouldn't go that far. I think he could be, like, you know, a top, top 20, 25 player, something like that. Uh, but I, I I mean, I am really high on his ceiling, and I don't know, maybe he's like a, a three to two favorite, something like that, to make an all star team.
0: Oh, actually, that's surprising. To me, it's not quite there yet, though. Uh, I don't really, like, I sometimes think there's a player that marketing can, be, can become, but there's also sort of a limit there that he's, yeah, I don't see him as, like, one of the best 10 players in the NBA ever, but but if he's, like, the 25th best player and then he's in the East, you make the All-Star, so, <laughs> All-Star game, <laughs> so that's... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um well, uh, thank you for this discussion. And, uh, it was very co- cool to talk to you in real life or through Skype. Uh, but, so, uh, thank you for coming on. And, um, uh, uh, do you want to plug anything here before you go? Yeah, you can, uh, follow
1: me on Twitter at Steph It's S T E P H N O H. I also write stuff for the athletic about the bulls. The athletic is, a uh, subscription-based site. I think people are uh, starting to hear about it now that we've expanded to a ton of cities, and one membership there gets you access to all of our stuff, so I, it's pretty cheap. I think it's only like $4 a month or something. Great deal. You can read me. You can read my uh, podcast co-host, Will Gottlieb. We have a podcast about the Bulls called Bull Court Press that we do about once a week, sometimes twice a week, and then um our other bulls writer darnell mayberry does great beat stuff so yeah give that site a listen and uh give me a follow um
0: i've had the subscription since the start of the season and and i i assume you must have like a uh very big ratio of finnish subscribers <laughs> compared to <laughs> uh because i i know i know a couple of people have that and i definitely recommend for everyone to uh to subscribe and read yours and will's uh stuff because that's basically the best bull stuff right now that's out there. Uh, so, uh, thank you and until next time. One interesting... Oh yeah, Paul Zipser, I forgot to mention him. Last in RPM. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I see all these Finnish people always tweeting this... Uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, probably like Jengi. That's like the—that's the name of the national team or something. Like what? What? Do you call oh yeah, that yeah. Hashtag? That's
0: like the, like you know how the, uh, the Finnish team's sort of logo is the, uh, like a wolf.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's like wolf team basically. I want to get one of those
1: jerseys, man. I loved watching that Finnish team. It was like uh, it was like a Disney movie or something,
0: you know. Yeah, that was really great. It was. I actually had tickets to all the games uh, because we oh, were doing so like lucky. a. We were doing like a post game show, um, yeah. Uh, so for the for the post game show, we got from the whatever production company the the tickets, and I, it was just the best. Like I w- for the rest of my life, I will remember when Mark stole the ball from ball from Poland and dunked oh. it to go to overtime. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that
1: was like that was the play of the tournament for me. Yeah.
0: that must have been so cool to see it live. Yeah, it was just it, it was there's like the there are no words it really was just a incredible moment <laughs> and just the whole yeah. comeback and everything and all the games and just the just the like like the feeling of having markkanen on the team and everyone sort of everyone knew that like when we watched him that like all the all the 12,000 people just everyone knew that this is amazing like we we don't get to see this ever and, <laughs> And it was it was really, really great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I so was like I was yelling at home on in front of my computer watching it, so I <laughs> can't yeah. even imagine.
0: There's the World Cup qualifiers going on right uh like there was first games a couple of months ago and then soon there are the next batch of games. We're I'm like thinking like can we just get Markkinen to play one quarter? Like, what do we have to pay the bulls? Like, they're so cheap. We could just give them some... Like, I can give them some Bitcoin and we can get Markkinen just to play one quarter and we would win those games. Like, <laughs> like against Czech Republic, you only need 10 minutes of him yeah. to really finish the deal. So it's, it's frustrating to watch those games without him. And, yeah. <clears throat>